Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final regular edition of Bloody Good Horror for 2021. My name is Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening. Joining me tonight, first up from Manhattan, New York City, he's got those lovely locks pulled back tonight. He's the business manager at Bloody Good Horror. Please welcome John Schnars to the show. Hell of a year, Eric, 2021. You, looking good tonight, John. You look like a white guy who does karate. What's <laughs> is it? It's the pony. What's the that? It's the ponytail. Yeah. Are you ne- wearing Zubas? Nah, that would probably be more comfortable. Uh, next up on the show from Indiana, please welcome Casey. Hello. Next up, a first timer tonight on the show, joining us from the Dads from the Crypt podcast. Please welcome Mondo to the show. Hello. Welcome, Mondo. We're going to talk to you a little more coming up soon here maybe last up tonight she's uh she's got some stuff going on right now <laughs> please welcome <laughs> caitlin and richmond live from quarantine she's got she's got the covid i've got the covid it's happened it's our, it's our first official covid appearance i think that we know of. that we know of yeah it's an honor really yeah you made it well, I, I am I am surprised, uh, you know, pleasantly and and honored. I guess like you, you could have bailed. It could. It was yeah. a very easy. What about Ray? In my opinion, <laughs> I wasn't about to let Mondo take the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> <Fair>. You're a trooper, <laughs> John. Um, can you believe that 2021 is almost over? It feels like it's been happening forever. John, you remember? Oh. You, do you remember Hot Girl Summer? Uh, we were just all was out. That this summer, I don't. We were just all out slutting it up with our faces uncovered and <laughs> acting just like some real tarts, and then, and then it all changed again. Yeah, it's it's not great. <laughs> I upgraded to an N95 this week. That's, that's I don't. They go- messed my beard up. Oh, that's a problem. It's pretty comfortable. I'll be honest. I kind of you have don't have a beard. Me and Mon- Mondo and I and Casey can attest that like. They made they do weird things to your beard and like shape it in weird ways. I don't like it. I still work from home full time, so I don't have to worry about it as much. Well, <laughs> except up, for the quick grocery run. <laughs> well, right, yeah, because up here you got to wear them like everywhere now. New York City, John, right, is like all all mask all the time, basically, right now. If you're out, yeah, if you're yeah. outside, I mean, people and Pete, like you'd be like the weird <laughs> person. I mean, not everyone. If you're just walking down the street, it's okay to not have your mask on, but any other place inside you, yeah, yeah, totally. Before. Yeah, man. same. <laughs> did you did you say where Mondo's from? Because I think he's also our first guest from Las Vegas, the, the lovely state of Nevada. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's early Nevada. Yeah. Nevada. Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, Mondo. Have hey, you watched? There's an HBO series that I'm kind of obsessed with about a little tiny TV station. It's a reality show in Pahrump, Nevada, just outside of Las Vegas. It's real weird. I recommend it if you haven't watched it. I've seen it. And I love that show. Yeah. And um, if you guys ever get a chance to go to Pahrump, I don't know why you would. <laughs> um, but Pahrump is, well, Pahrump has a meadery out there, so that's kind of cool. But that's also when you see, when you hear about the legal brothels in Nevada and near Las Vegas, that's where Pahrump is. Um, uh, it's about an hour drive from Las Vegas, but it's a weird city. It's now, a are there town. no brothels in Las Vegas? They have to be outside of the city. 
Yeah, um, it's by county. So we're Clark County. Where, um, so prostitution is not legal in Clark County. Your ass will go to jail for that. Interesting. So, uh, don't. And we were just covering, you live out in the suburbs, and you did confirm it's just like the uh, uh, um, uh, Fright Night remake. Yeah. Mm. Well, what's, what's, what's interesting about that movie is they basically got free reign to use whatever houses they wanted to use because that was during the, um, yeah. the, the first, I guess, recession, and no one was buying houses. So there are all these vacant houses just sitting around. Well, I remember that being the coolest like vibe of that movie, that they were living in a half-abandoned, you know, th- and they, I remember the aerial shots where you would just see like a square tract of houses and then desert and then another square. You know what I mean? It was, they were just kind of like dotted all over the place. Yeah. That's literally how, it, I mean, granted, obviously there's more houses now in 2021 than there was back then, but that's literally how it is. I mean, when I, when I grew up here, I said, I've been here for 30 years. Like we lived on a street called Decatur and it was just desert. East of Decatur was just <laughs> desert. And now it's a hundred percent developed and there's a million things out there. So it's kind of cool. I've seen the whole city grow from nothing to this giant city. Uh, as a person who grew up in a place where, when you hit the edges of something, it was just forest. I'm fascinated by places that are like, nope, there's just nothing. Like, yeah. it's just space. It's, it's desert, and you can see the mountains, and that was it. It was kind of cool. I love it. It's, well, so what's, yes. what's the HBO show that with Perump? Perump? Um, I can look. I don't remember the name. Eric? Eric's the one recommending. Wait, say that again? What's the name of the HBO show you were talking about? It's like Small Town TV or something like that. Is it new? Is it like a? It's a it's it's a reality show. It's not like a scripted thing. But is it like it's, HBO level reality? That's like they, qu- small topic. town news. Yeah, they've put it okay. out. I mean, it's on HBO. Uh, their right. situation there. I'm, Max. I'm watching this John How to with John Wilson, which is a little like New York navel gazy, but it, it's fucking oh, wild. That's, that's right it's up your alley, Shars. Yeah, I think you would like it. I, I, I would recommend it for sure. Love it's, it. It's crazy. You feel like you're on drugs almost watching it because he's just doing weird shit. Love it. Well, Mondo, welcome to the show. We're gonna we'll talk more about dads from the crypt later. But first up, ladies and gents, it is time. Let's take a quick break and discuss antlers. This is it, Shadowbird. Your big break in TV. Joshers. Yeah. How you doing? Mm. We're going to get, you know, we're, we're here. We're almost, we've almost made it to Christmas. So, you know, man, I'm familiar with that sound you're making. <laughs> <laughs> if you need anything, I'm here, buddy. Um, <laughs> all right, Schnars, let's move off of that topic and, uh, let's do the word of the day. Eric, today's word is ungulate. Ooh. Ungulate? Un- ungulate? Are we sure it's not I undulate? No, no, no. It's it's ungulate. It's a U-N-G-U-L-A-T-E. Uh, an ungulate is a hoofed mammal. Oh. A hoofed. A hoofed mammal. Oh. That's it. That's the whole definition. I have such an interesting anecdote about this. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. Uh, that's it. That's your definition. Um, it comes to us from the Latin ungula, ungula, uh, which means hoof. Caitlin, as my fellow TikTok obsessor, and I know we like to compare our algorithms sometimes. Yes. Have you slid into horse hoof trimming TikTok yet? I've seen one or two. I'm obsessed. But I, have, I, don't, I don't think I've engaged enough for me to keep getting them. Oh, I don't engage at all. 
I never, I never like a thing. The only thing I'll ever do is like, what? I'll grab a link to share it. I don't engage at all. This thing just reads my mind. Damn. Watching, so, so it's like, it's like a, I guess it's like a nail, sort of, if you think about like what the hoof is made yeah. of. And so when they grow, they grow, and then they, they use this thing to like shave it down, but it's like ASMR. It's like, I could watch this shit all day. Have you seen the new uh, silicon horseshoe videos? No. And watching them make, oh, I'll send you a link later. Please. (laughs) Let's do it. Eric, you're going to have like ungulate TikTok pretty soon. That's it. It's straight. (laughs) Well, I don't understand. How do the horses, do the horses? 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 Horses. Do they, do they, when they're in the wild, does a wild horse trim its nails? Like, I don't know. That's Probably a great question. Wear, it's, I would think. I don't hair. know. I think it's kind of like dogs, where if dogs are just in the wild, like wolves, they just grind their nails down from natural activity, where horses don't do that when they're, yeah, you yeah. know, in captivity. Right. Because wild nibbling, horses just like it's it's pretty like because some of them, some of the videos are like the horses being brought into a rescue with its hooves in such a bad state it can't like walk. So some of them are like kind of hardcore, yeah. It's crazy. Don't need that. Don't need that in my life. It's crazy. And I you love guys it. are like an ongoing why not to use TikTok advertisement. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so satisfying at the end, though, when they just have a yeah. new lease on life. And there's also, um, if you watch weird stuff out there, also watching uh, like llamas and sheeps getting sheared. Um, it's super <laughs> satisfying at the end when they're just happy and nice and, uh, yeah. you know, no longer fluffy. Yeah, it's the yeah. same. It's the same vibe. There's something satisfying about watching him. John, TikTok is like my favorite app now. I love TikTok. Well, apparently, I learned just, so much. The headlines today were that it's the number one uh, web destination uh, of 2021. They beat Google, which has like been number one for forever. It also, I mean, like I'm on my side of TikTok, so I'm, you know, getting things that reinforce my beliefs already. But it makes me feel like, you know, what the kids are all right. Like, I, I actually, <laughs> I'm like, I completely understand. I think it's given a bunch of them eating disorders based on the other news that I see. I mean, that's, you know, so. I understand on, what you're saying. I'm on recovery to work pooper. in eating disorders. So, <laughs> right. Like, mine's a lot of like positive mental health and therapy and like stuff like that. It knows, yeah. John. It knows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I know and I don't need <laughs> anything else to tell me at this point. So. <laughs> All right, Schnars. Tell me about antlers. Antlers, Antlers, horror film. So this was, I mean, this was like a hot movie last year. This was one of those movies that was definitely a 2020 pandemic uh, casualty um, produced by Guillermo del Toro. It's funny because uh, I guess his name is on the poster. Um, The director is this guy, Scott Cooper, who has actually done a ton of stuff. He he wrote, he worked on, he did the screenplay. He's credited on the screenplay. He also directed. Um, he did that movie Black Mass, which is about a uh, what's his name, Boston uh, mob guy, uh, crazy hard out of the furnace. Whitey Bulger. John. There you go. Yeah, Whitey Bulger. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is like a he's a pretty legit. He's got a legit resume as a director for someone to kind of be coming into horror. Usually you kind of see it go the other way where it's like first film is a horror movie. And then they kind of like, like, all right, let's see if we can branch out a little bit. Um, He's going the other way. Um, Stars, Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons. Uh, Carrie Russell is a teacher and has recently returned to a town in, I don't know, what we call this? The Northwest. It's in Oregon. Yeah. They, I think they mentioned Oregon at some point. I just didn't know what part of Oregon. But they, um, she does she's recently Oregon. returned home. She's working as like an English teacher. Um, her brother is the town sheriff. 
Uh, and there's a little bit of discussion about how like he's the sheriff because like no one else wanted to be the sheriff, uh, which I, I think was like a very poignant sort of conversation early in the film because it kind of gives you a lot of background about this town and sort of like where they're at. Um, the other main character is Lucas, who is, uh, I want to say 10. Did they say how old he 12. is? 12. Tw- oh, he's 12. You could have told me eight. I would have like, he is a, he's not a, petite. yeah, he's a, he's a little guy. Um, so he's a 12 year old. He's in Carrie Russell's class. Her, her character's name is Julia. Um, and he's having a lot of problems at home. The film opens. We see him, uh, with his father at a old abandoned mine where the dad is making drugs. His father I, is, it was take your son to work day at the meth lab. Yeah. Was it? I mean, they didn't like. I guess yeah. it, it did look like a meth anything lab. could be a meth lab if you're making meth in a job. I mean, it wasn't like Breaking Bad level. But <laughs> no, sure. no. But I mean, like, because all we see is like them cleaning up. We don't really see that what they're well, doing necessarily. Uh, they show empty packets of like antihistamines. There is a which package is of yes. why you have to show your ID at Target. They made. There was honest. some movie, made up movie name of it was like Sudafamin or something like like there was a yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we see the dad. Basically, we don't see what happens to him, but he is something kind of like attacks him in this lab. Um, we so then you kind of like fast forward. All right, this boy is in school. He's having some problems. He's being bullied. Carrie Russell sort of like takes interest in him as a as like a hard case. Um, but he's playing, or he's not. I was gonna say playing hard to get. He's he's like, you know, he's he's take. <laughs> Basically, he's trying to hide from her what is going on, where he's going home to, like, take care of his father and then increasingly his younger brother, both of whom are living in the attic, going through some kind of body horror-esque changes. Um, and that – I mean, that's the setup. There there are – there's a couple bodies that are found. Like, the the, the guy who was cooking meth with uh, Lucas's dad is found completely dismembered. I can't remember. There's somebody else that shows up. Very mangled. Oh, the principal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But that's that's later. Like at that point, you sort of know what's going on. Um, But so like Jesse Plemons as the cop is investigating the teacher. Carrie Russell is trying to figure it out. And the other kind of piece happening in the background is that their family history was was really dark. Uh, There was like some child abuse, not ever explicitly spelled out, but hinted at pretty specifically. Um, It's explicitly hinted at. How's that? Yeah, many times, many times. Love it. All right, well, <clears throat> Mondo, as our guest tonight, what did you think of Antlers? Oh, God, pressure. Um, I actually, I, I love this movie, and uh, I kind of made a point a while back saying that I, I've been avoiding like all this depressive, dark horror um, throughout the entire pandemic because it's just not really what I want to feed my brain. Um, but I watch this, and this is kind of the tipping point maybe I needed to start watching some of that dark stuff again that usually I'm like, I'm staying away from. Uh, but I absolutely loved it. I thought the acting was – well, the acting from the main characters was really good. Uh, I, I didn't get the the name of the kid that played Lucas. I thought he was fantastic and just playing this kid with just huge weight on his shoulders. Like all you want to do is give this poor kid a hug. Uh, he goes through so much, and uh, the love he has for his family is just – especially his little brother 
um, it, it's just heartbreaking and heart wrenching to watch. Like even at the end, and I won't spoil the end yet, but how he still like has that love for his little brother and doesn't want anything bad to happen to him. Um, you know, granted, I think the dad maybe that's a little bit strained right there. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I think this was a, a fantastic uh, a movie overall. But I can also see why people, if you don't want and a really dark, depressing experience, it's probably not the best movie to watch. If or if you're in a bad metal state. Probably not the best movie to watch because it's uh it's really really heavy and at least for me like seeing that kid struggle through the whole movie that was kind of difficult watching what he was going through and and um like you know there's a part of the beginning where he goes to he sees a skunk or something I think it's a skunk and he picks up a rock and I was like oh no this kid's gonna be a serial killer <laughs> oh no and then you see him you're like oh wait no he's just he's doing it for the for sustenance for somebody else and it's like man I can't imagine like to grow up that quick like he went from being a kid to being an adult like in one day. And uh, so, uh, but yeah, overall, uh, definitely, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed this. Caitlin. So I watched this. I'm, I don't know if I was in like a COVID haze or what, but I was like, oh, I didn't really like that very much. <laughs> and I was like, but wait, this is Antlers. Like we've been super jazzed about it. So I was like, I'm going to watch it again. Um, and I, I think I've landed in kind of a middling place. I think the kid who played Lucas, like Mondo said, did a really good job with some really heavy subject matter. Um, I I don't know. There's some interesting CGI to be had here, or there's some interesting body horror to be had here, rather. But the CGI aspect of it kind of took me out of it. I wasn't just as impressed as maybe I could have been. Um, I also, my biggest qualm is that, like, are we going to say what creature we're working with? Is that like too big of a spoiler at this point or no, I don't care. I think it's fine. I mean, it's spelled out pretty early in the it's movie December. or at least yeah. halfway through, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we're working with a Wendigo and I think the concept of a Wendigo and like this sort of insatiable, endless hunger thing is a really cool concept, especially when we're working with this model of the dad working in drugs and like sort of comparing it to addiction. But I feel like it just gets kind of lost here and if we're going to focus on indigenous folklore, maybe have more than one indigenous character in the movie and have sort of this story focus on an indigenous community. At one point, the, I think it's Graham Greene, who's like the indigenous actor in everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's really good. But at one point he's like, you know, Lucas has drawn this picture that's very clearly a Wendigo. And he goes, is this kid native? And they go, no. And he said, how is that possible? And it's like, in that moment, it's just like, yeah, how is that possible? Dude, that whole conversation, I have a lot of thoughts about that whole conversation. (laughs) During the autopsy, too, they look into the body and the uh, the coroner goes, these are human teeth. And it just focuses on him raising, like doing the rock people's eyebrow. And I was like, oh, he he knows what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, they, they, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I really wish that they had, I don't know, it's such a cool concept. And I feel like we're working with two really interesting themes. They just didn't never really marry for me. And um, I don't know, the body horror didn't take me there. Jesse Plemons was great. I'll watch him do anything. He was so good. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, I agree. Casey. So I ended up uh, loving this movie quite a bit by the end of it. They, uh, I've been excited for it since we first heard about it last year and i've been trying to stay away from it outside of those trailers we saw early on and just knowing it's going to be something weird and i really like the end product it is so bleak and it's a very emotional movie and it really sucks you into these characters which is key to any kind of a good horror i think and they do such a good job that you're instantly connected to all these people 
And then on the other side of it, you've got, well, you've got this character drama going on with this kid and his dad and his dad's profession, the family situation, the mom, her background, trying to take care of this kid, do the right thing as a teacher, um, or not the mom, but Carrie Russell and whatnot. They, you've got all that telling a story. And then, well, since we've, we're talking about it, I've seen a couple Wendigo movies in the past. There's been a couple attempts at this in, over the years, and I've seen one or two of them. My takeaway has always been that they've been god-awful boring. It's because there's only so much you can do on film with that whole concept of like what Caitlin was talking about with the never-ending hunger and stuff. And to this, I was really impressed. I think they mated the two together very well on how they gave us this Wendigo story, made it their own monster movie, and then showed us the effects of – the people around that person that got infected with it and everything. And it turns that drama up and it just made it a full package for me. And then seldom with those movies too, that are set up like that. And you're looking like this, you get to that third act payoff with when the crazy stuff and the monsters happen, they don't typically pay off as well as this movie did. And it really did. It was crazy. It was scary. It was gory. And I really liked the ending part of it too. John, I'm probably on the most negative end of this. Um, and some of it may have just been like, I don't know, like catch me on the wrong day. It's you all talked about it. like, listen, I'm trying really, to normalize John, just admitting when a movie catches you at the wrong time. It, but it, I mean, I, and maybe look, maybe I'll go back to it at some point. I, unlikely, but maybe it's, um, it's very dark. Like it was like, I wasn't, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. Like we've seen other dark movies, but this was like just like specific. The mo- the thing that made me think about. Did you guys watch this thing on we were talking about HBO earlier? I think it was called The Outsider. Yeah. Um, I had a very similar experience with that show. I ended up not even finishing the show, and largely because it just it was like just so grim <laughs> throughout the whole thing. I felt I was like it's heavy. I was like, where are we going here? Like other than just like making me not feel good for like forty five minutes every time I turn this on. And it was super well made that show. Like you know, but. Um, it's uh, so this this has a lot of that. I I thought the I mean look like I thought this was very well made. I think the director did a great job. I think the acting is all really strong, including the kid. I mean the kid, you know, it's rare. Um, I guess the other like comp for this is probably like the the Babadook, the Babadook. Like it's yeah. it's in that same family of like um, grief monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but here's the thing, and Kaylin, you raised it right, and this was like one of my biggest complaints is like. It is, it's very confused about what themes are sort of like the most important at any given time. Like most of the movie is actually about Carrie Russell's grief and like dealing with her own abuse, which honestly has nothing to do with the it gets dro- It gets dropped. Yeah. It, it, and like, but like the boy is a good foil for her because he's de- like, she sees him as like, Oh, here's a case. Like someone I can, I can save. And like, I actually thought her relationship to her brother was super interesting because they talk about the fact that she left. And you know, there was like the one moment where he's like, you don't know what happened to me kind of. And I was yeah. like, Holy shit. Like, this is like the darkest fucking movie. It's dark. He's like, but she doesn't really, she doesn't really have a journey so much. Right. No. But, and that's the thing, like she's, she's a vehicle to sort of like saving this boy and, and like through saving him, like finding her own salvation sort of, but then the movie, like we can talk about the very, very end. The very, very end is like, 
let's we went through he started dark and we're going darker <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah so i don't know like i, I the the indigenous people and sort of like the first nations you know background piece of this it it, it whatever i was fine like it is it's not super well handled like all of caitlin's feedback is very accurate but i was kind of like whatever i can kind of look past it for me it was like i didn't understand what the point of the wendigo was because usually in a monster film you want the monster like from a genre mechanic standpoint you want it to like stand for something and i and like you could there's things we could get to there that make it make sense but it was a little muddled um the movie and i mentioned this i think in my email and i'll stop after this but the movie also starts with a quote that if i read the quote correctly I forgot. indicated that the the monster was about like the disruption of the earth. Like I thought it was going to be like an eco horror. Well, thing. But, and that's the whole spiel that they get from the the wise man character. Yeah. So like the, it's, yeah. but it doesn't really. Uh, it, it has nothing to do. Listen, with the movie. Like, there's the a shot of, the of what looks kind of like an oil refinery in the beginning, and that's kind of like what well, I assume because they were talking about how it was about to go back into operation. Yeah, it's a mine, and they do talk about how it's going to go back in operation. Uh, you and know, like, whatever, Jad. Yeah, no, but but you're right. Like that's all like done so background at like there's like the news on, and she hears that. But yeah, in any event, so it was very weird. Yeah, I'm pretty much. I kind of agree with everything said so far. Um, I think this is a pretty decent little horror movie that also picks up a lot of threads. It doesn't fully follow through on. I don't necessarily think it drops the ball so much. I do think that it is wildly elevated by the presence of Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons. Like, I think that they are head and shoulders above every other actor in this movie to the point where it's almost like kind of distracting at times. Like some of the people in this movie look like they are on screen for the first time. (laughs) And that may just, that may just be the fact that they're in the presence of these two people that are like really good actors, or maybe I'm just, maybe I was in a mood, John. I don't know. But, um, I think did, like, you, did you not think the kid was like I, the kid? I, I thought, thought the was kids actually, were all real bad. I didn't oh, think any of them were that good. I thought the you know whose performance I did love, John. He's yeah. small. He's jo- so small. John, the little like principal or the principal or the lady that gets like killed first. Do you know who she is, John? Uh, I recognize her. She played John Candy's love interest in Uncle Buck. Yep, <laughs> that's what I know her from. Wow, hey, Amy. She Maddie. was also in the. Uh, the Matthew Shepard mockumentary. Oh, deep cut. Wow, <laughs> HBO, deep cut. what's up? Those are both pretty <laughs> deep cuts. Um, Shout out for my there is There is a kind of funny thing for me with Jesse Plemons where this dude is so funny when he wants to be that I actually have trouble taking him seriously. Like he, his real dramatic delivery made me laugh at a couple times when I don't think it was supposed to because he's just a funny dude. Um, I really like this movie. This in part because of its scarcity and trying to get a hold of it because it was pushed off so far became one of my most anticipated things of the year that may have hyped it up too much. Cause I, I don't think it really lived up to it for me. I do think it's a decent little horror movie. And I also think everyone's, uh, you know, warnings that it's like friggin' bleak. And it, if this thing had caught me on the wrong week, I would have, I would be here complaining about how bleak it is, but I had a good week, John. So, yeah. um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I, I do agree that as much as I think that it, you're right, you're dead on, John, about like, is this a movie about the environment or is it a movie about Carrie Russell's trauma or is it environment or is it a movie about this kid? And it, it kind of seems to 
oscillate kind of back and forth. Um, in particular, I think if you're going to do a Wendigo and then set up multiple times in the movie that the Wendigo is a thing about environmentalism, well, how do you not bring that thread back around? It's kind of crazy. You're either making a movie about that or you're making a movie about all this human shit. Like it's kind of one or the other, I feel like. And yeah. Well, and it's so, like, we have this awesome concept. Like I just, how are we using the Wendigo? Like it's just, it gets muddied and but it's I've like, seen, oh, I get the addiction stuff and like the, the hunger there and like the need for more, like that all makes sense and that tracks, but I just feel like, oh, I get it. Okay. What's well, next? And I've Where seen did Wendigo- it come from? Like the, it's never explained. Like the Wendigo yeah. gets the dad in the beginning. Was it like another person who had it before, but was like living in the mine? Well, maybe it's the fact that the mines were about to like go back into operation that, that like awaken the spirit. But does that mean that the spirit has been like watching business negotiations and waiting for the mind to be announced? Because <laughs> no, nothing was I happening assumed, yet. I assume them being there like disturbed. Right. Yeah. It. I thought they set it loose or something. But Yeah. But in that case, so it almost could have been really any demonic entity. It didn't necessarily have to be a Wendigo. Right. I mean, meth yeah. is all natural, John, from what I understand. So, the, yeah, I never got, I never came away with the impression that they were trying to make some kind of em- environmental statement. I know it was part of like the mythology and the story of the Wendigo that was dropped on us and whatnot, but I never felt like they were trying to make it an environmental movie. I thought it was more of people being where they shouldn't be, uncovered something, and then it consumed them. And that's where, like, maybe I got to go back and look at that quote again at the top. But when I saw the no, quote, no, the quote like, is explicitly yeah. about environmentalism. And that's the guy true. who tells him about the Wendigo, half his speech is about how we're ruining the earth and like blah blah blah. I also got to say that <laughs> that dude cracked me up. He he tells them about that. He tells them flat out, "This is a Wendigo." in a, a way you would casually tell someone it's going to rain on Tuesday, <laughs> and and he doesn't even pause to consider the audience. Like he, I understand he believes in it. Like, okay. But he knows he's telling somebody who's, this is going to be a leap for them. He doesn't pause and go, this may be hard to hear, but he just goes, yeah, that's a, you got a Wendigo there. That's one of those Wendigos. And you're just like, uh, what? And then they're, they're trying to catch up and he just launches into this whole thing. And there, and Jesse Plemons is like, I don't know. I don't know about this Wendigo thing. <laughs> Harry Russell's had, like, all in. He like pulled out the antler and was like, this is from the mine. It's a Wendigo. It's just like, and also here's my reference book. And also here's another thing. It's like, oh, thank you, token native friend, for having all of the answers about the earth. Yes, like, what the- exactly. I feel you like know? if you knew it was a Wendigo, you just got in your truck and got the fuck out of there. Like you would have waited around for uh, people to come around and ask you about it. Do you know what uh, this reminded me of? And I'm really only bringing this up because I want to sound smart, John, because I read a thing. Mm. This reminds me of that Stephen King, the short story from Night Shift where the kid's dad is like turning into a monster and the kid keeps having having to go buy him beer every night. Oh, hell yeah. It's just like that in the beginning because the kid's having to like feed his dad who's like locked in the house and so it just reminded me of it. Well, and that, so a part that I liked was when they show the, because Okay, so the, to, to your point, the kid is taking care of the dad, and and but you don't really know what the hell went down. And I did like that they showed in flashback when the kid, when the father, locks himself. Like, there's a little bit of it, like tries to undercut, at least the abuse side. Like, he's not necessarily being mistreated by his father, it, which is sort yeah. of the way neglect in this scenario. Well, there's definitely no, but the father like locks himself into this attic. Um, 
Yeah, he was know, trying they, to think. He was trying to protect his kids at that time, knowing yeah. something was going south. Yes, there there was like one shred of parental like you know thinking in his head, which I appreciated. <laughs> But so. they start out too, like you see the interaction with him and Ada, the youngest son. I'm like, oh, he's a good dad, just at work with his kid. Then he goes to the cave, you see the messed up. I'm like, oh no, wait, <laughs> he's a terrible father. Yeah, oh, I don't know. No. As, soon as, as soon as they started, the camera started moving around that old factory. You're like, ah, this is probably not going to be great. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it is funny as though. It is funny though because the scene does. If you're just kind of casually watching, like it does start out uh, like wholesome, and then just slowly you're like, oh no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was there any relevance? So one scene in the class when they're watching Othello and they really make it a point to have Othello blasting in the background. Was there any relevance to that? I don't remember my Shakespeare that well because it was so freaking long ago. You know, that's something I always like in movies when they're like the teacher's writing something on the board. And I'm like, oh, my God, is it supposed to connect? And in this one, the only thing I remember about that scene is like Carrie Russell just like making extreme eye contact with this poor kid that's told her before, like, please don't follow me home. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and also in the classroom, that, that, that one girl on the very front, who's obviously the kiss up that keeps raising her hand <laughs> that I, I actually, that was like the one piece of comedy that I actually really loved. I was like, Oh, what's up me? <laughs> <laughs> the, the bully. Boy, was, uh... Yeah. The bully was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the kid was an excellent artist. Like very much on, on, I would say, I don't know, maybe I'm sure there are 12 year olds that are that good at trying, but they were also his, his artist, his art was incredible. Like you would have referred him to psychiatric services. Like the first one of those drawings, I think be like, well, that's why, that's why the native guy knew, knew what he was talking about. Knew it was a Wendigo because the kid drew it so well. And he's like, Oh yeah. But even the, (laughs) even the drawings before that were all like, it's like, dark scribbles like expressionistic like nightmare <laughs> yeah. fuel and i don't know so well the kid doesn't have a whole lot to do at night after the sun goes down i guess yeah that's well, true it's, you know it's weird because the dad frank i think is his name he it looks like he tries i mean he's his profession leaves a lot to be desired but he's trying to provide for his kids and he's trying to you know set them up for safety because he knows he's undergoing this transformation but later we get the psychiatrist that's like and I want you to know, this boy has been severely abused. And it's like, it lingers on Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons because they were also severely abused. But it's like, wait, I thought that this, I thought that, you know, Aiden and Lucas were just dealing with like a severe neglect because their dad is a Wendigo now. <laughs> like, I was like, wait, what? Straight up yeah, to, yeah. it's so grim because like, there is no like, well, he'll be okay. It's like, no, we can give him drugs and that's about it. Like he's messed say, up. he is severely damaged. I was like, oh, come on. He's not a package. He's just a kid. <laughs> yeah, it is extremely, extremely bleak. But what I, I'll say I is that here, here's what it does, though. I think that helps balance it. It's still a genre movie. And so I think that that genre stuff, even though it's not light per se, it's entertainment or something. I wish I've been trying to like find this line because we've watched a lot of movies. We watched a lot of grim movies that it's almost like they stubbornly eschew anything that feels genre-y. It almost is like a scary drama or something when they really want to go prestige and lean into the emotional aspect. This movie doesn't do that and I kind of appreciate about it and I actually think it helps balance it. Like it is a horror film, not that it's scary per se. It got me a couple times though with some of those jump scares. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I really love that. Mo- I'm sorry, Caitlin. No, no, go ahead. I know you, they uh, 
I really love the creature design that was going on here, too. That monster design on the Wendigo was pretty excellent. And they did a great job, too, because typically, and I know I've talked about this on the past, you do the classic, don't show your monster till the end of the movie. But they did a good job of showing his hints to make you think, what the hell is going on? And that one scene when uh, it turned around with Frank's face hanging off the front of it, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the part that I liked. That, yeah. That's the part of the monster design that was really scary because you can tell it's Frank's face, but it's just like hanging off and it's so yeah. gross. I love it. The glowing. Think it looks so CGI to me, the rest of the It's a little CGI. Body. It's a little, and it would cut back and forth between, um, it would cut back and forth between like some practical effects and then CG that did not like mesh very well, but they sort of looked good on their own. It was more of the like cutting back and forth. That was, it did get pretty choppy in there too so it was kind of hard to keep track of what was going on in that final sequence with the monster when carrie russell and stuff so yeah when they're when he's fighting jesse plemons outside and it's like all you're seeing is the antlers and then it's cuts to like a full yeah full-on shot i uh well on the (laughs) this is a small thing when the face was on like hanging on it like was the idea that it had transformed and just like hadn't like kind of wiped its face off yet. Or I wasn't sure if it was that or the Wendigo was like trying to fuck with them and like found the face and like put it back on. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he did burst know. from his body. So I assumed it just was like, <laughs> Hey, look, I'm Frank. Yeah. That face was in like good shape though. Was there, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. And um, he shook it off pretty quick. Like when he put a hat on a dog and he just gets pissed at you and it's like, yeah, this isn't going to happen like, anymore. <laughs> it's like that episode of the office when Dwight cuts the face off of the safety dummy. Yeah, (laughs) I would just say, Eric, on your point around the genre stuff, like this, because this is sort of what I've been. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? I I do, but I almost was going to go the other way, and I felt like there wasn't. They didn't do enough of the genre mechanics, like so. In saying that, look, like the way this movie ends, there's like the end, the final battle scene, and then there's like the coda. Let's call it. So pre-coda, like forget the like very last thing, but that is pretty straight up. It's like pretty by the numbers. It's like the magical native indigenous person like told them how to kill the monster. Those are the moments where I'm like, I feel like I'm watching any number of uh, supernatural movies from the last 10 years. Well, and, and, you know, it's all set up for Carrie Russell to like have this moment of ex quote unquote exercising her demons by killing this. Um, So it was a little straight forward i didn't feel like it hit a lot of the other genre beats that you want to see along like it actually didn't do that much monster stuff up up to that and that's where like the the payoff for so usually it's like you know you you there's this buildup of of tension and the like genre climax is is what we got but the like climax didn't feel as climactic here and maybe it was because a lot of it's hanging on the fact of like Carrie Russell and this kid having this just like terrible lives um, as opposed to a monster that was like threatening them. I don't know if I'm making sense. I just felt like the the genre stuff was not, it could have been more cleanly executed, I guess. Yeah. I don't disagree. I did like that. She just goes ham on the one to go with the knife at the end, which like, you know, it it had that sort of brief moment where it's like, it's down, but we know it's not dead. And Mm -hmm. she, you know, it doesn't play into that classic trope of like, it's probably fine. She's like, no, like I'm going to get it. It is. 
having to take out Aiden though was really rough. Yeah. That was yeah. super. And dark. the noises that was heartbreaking. he was making yeah. and shit that was real. Yeah, cool. the, I yeah. know. But man, Carrie Russell though, after fighting the Wendigo and then turning around and seeing that kid stand up, and she looked at him, and even I was sitting in there like out loud, like, "Oh, Carrie, no." <laughs> <laughs> did uh did you guys watch uh the americans did any do you all watch no so, i do did, like this this that version of carrie russell at the very end of this movie is very much like from you know i i don't want to like even get into the americans too much but like she's amazing uh, and like the character in that show is amazing and a lot of that same like grim determination mm-hmm. is sort of like what you get in that fi- like you're, i don't know why we don't get more carrie russell what has she been doing you're right yeah. john you're right john felicity is an amazing show <laughs> yeah. she's, she's a also, badass though she's come a long way <laughs> she's also in honey i blew up the baby with uh, rick moran <laughs> <laughs> nice. that's a thing that's a real movie honey i blew up the yeah, baby yeah, that, it's yeah. the third one yeah i never saw anything past the first one john i'm a purist Oh, That's totally fine. You're not missing anything. Cheerios. No, the second one fine is good. Cheerios, and, Cheerios and Blades of Grass. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say the uh, very end was yeah, a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably, um, is it okay if I spoil the last scene? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, why, that, we should talk about the Wendigo. Like, so okay. the, the concept is like the Wendigo passes on yeah. it, the curse. And this is, in my understanding, like how it works in like traditional lore, right? Like I know, I know it's how it worked in Marvel, it, you know, like the, um, if the, <laughs> if you were attacked or hurt by the Wendigo, you could become the next Wendigo essentially. Um, and, but like, I think the Graham green character tells them if you, if you take out the Wendigo's heart, like that can stop the curse. Right. So, so they think the curse is gone, but then sorry, Mondo, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say like, that's uh, probably my one, Oh, well, I have two negatives in the movie. One is I didn't need to see the dad character in a fetal position with a teddy bear. That was just kind of weird. <laughs> um, I, I understood already what was happening, but I just didn't. I was like, ah, I just didn't need to see that. Um, but the very end, like I was kind of rooting for them. But, you know, you, you kind of knew the movie couldn't end happy. <laughs> yeah. And when he started coughing up blood, I was like, damn it. Why? But Why mechanically, like it could have ended decently because they did what they were supposed to do. Oh, I just knew they weren't going to do that because it yeah, would be that yeah. bleak. You just know there's yeah. not going to be, you know, rainbows and roses at the end. Yeah. yeah. Not after we wa- what we watched Carrie Russell. Do. <laughs> it's not going to end well. <laughs> but it is, I, it is a good question of like, why did it not end? Like, because it was not. And again, this, this gets back to the question of like, where did the window go come in the first place? come from in the first place? Because the, the rules are like a little fuzzy. Well, John, they're still going to open the meth mine, right? So it's, it's, yeah. but it is, look, it's like a legend, right? I mean, like the rules are, are fuzzy. No, but, not according um, to our bro here. He's, it's, a, it's just a thing. <laughs> well, everybody it's knows also about pretty it. obvious, like a uh, sequel set up too. If they decided they wanted to do that, maybe they were hoping the director is hoping that it would get enough attention. I don't see it happening at this point. Listen, with as long as it was pushed out, I understand but, what everyone's saying, but if we remove it from the insanity of what movies are in 2021 movie, look at the thing like movies used to end like that all the time, just intentionally yeah. open. end. it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean they were aiming for a sequel. Sometimes it just is. No, no. I, yeah, no, I think, it, and I those think are, that was a genre staple that they did get in there. And frankly, some of my favorite endings are movies that end like that and then never got a sequel. Right. And it's kind of, if you think about it too, with what we just saw at the end of the fight with the Wendigo and Aiden, that 
kind of gives us, even though it's Jesse Plemons, it's still bad news. It kind of takes the weight off of that previous moment. So it doesn't leave you with that bleakness as you walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's a little yeah. bit lessens it. Yeah, but I, I just want Lucas to have some semblance of a decent life. And then when he starts coughing up blood, I'm like, well, that's fucking out the window now. Like, yeah, well, things are not going to turn out well. They indicate that, like, he's a, a tiger. Like, he could turn out to be the next one to go. Because, like, yeah. they're like, you know, we'll keep him, but he could turn into something. Like, can you watch something that you love? I, I don't know. I was like, so they kind of pivoted from Lucas to Jesse Plemons' character. I don't know. Yeah. John, you ever seen that uh, game night that Jesse plays in? <laughs> no, <laughs> he's so f- I am from goddamn funny in that movie. That's that movie in particular is why I can never take him seriously again because he is so. Funny. He's great in uh, the was the third season of no second season of Fargo. I think yeah, the one yeah. He's, in. The, he's in a Kirsten really Dunst. he's in a really yeah. amazing episode of Black Mirror too. Uh, yeah. Kirsten yeah. Dunst must be a hell of a cook. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're together now, right? That's the, yeah, like, they're married. Yeah, yeah. Eric, have you seen uh, Breaking Bad? Um, <laughs> little, little television show called Breaking Bad. I have watched Breaking Bad, <laughs> and this for all of his meth lab. Let me put it this way: before the pandemic, you know, we just people just have those anxiety shows. Maybe not John because he's perfect, but like the show you watch over and over because it's just soothing, right? It used to be The Office. Yep. Going into the pandemic, I had watched all of Breaking Bad probably four times. I'm not exaggerating. I might've watched it like 15 times now. Like I just put on every day. I just let it play. I could, I know it all by heart. I don't watch, uh, uh, I guess now I will watch El Camino when I finish it. Cause I do, I dig it. It's fun, but I just, ever, I always think of him as Todd. Yeah. From Breaking Bad, and he's so know, creepy. He's so creepy. So in that role yeah. So rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's an unsettling gentleman when he wants to be. Oh yeah. He's got a presence. I, sure I really does. like him. I uh, loved him in that movie. What the hell was the, we ended up not covering it on the show, but it was like that movie that we couldn't decide if it was a horror movie. Uh, oh, uh, Netflix. It has a really long name. Yeah. It's about the girl going to Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great uh, movie. It's like surreal, surrealistic. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You're talking it's, about Charlie, it's Charlie Kaufman. Movie. Crazy talk. Judas no. the Black? No. 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 <laughs> he's good in that, too. I've seen oh. That. Yeah, I'm he's good in that. I'm thinking of ending things? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. That's a weird one. It is a horror movie. I would say that's a horror movie. I don't know. I have no opinion. All I could think that's of, all, yeah. I think you may know, because all I could come up with is, <laughs> I want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the right vein. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're to have some weird TikTok videos. Now that 20, said that. 20, yeah, 21. Yeah, he's gonna, you're going to pick it up, and it's going to be like, suicide prevention. It's serious. Yeah. My okay. FBI agents calling us up, calling help right now. Let's. We got a <laughs> bunch of fan mail tonight. Let's wrap this part of the show up. Do you recommend this, Amando? Yes, without question. Caitlin. Yeah, I think you know. Get it in. Jerry Garcia. Absolutely. John Schnars. <laughs> I'll say yes to. I'm also going to say yes. I think it's a real decent little horror movie. It's a work. It's a workman like horror movie and. I don't think it really bones anything up. And I applaud that because I've watched, we've watched a lot of boring garbage this year. If I am being honest, John, and this is not, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not boring. 
and it's not garbage and i commend it for that yeah if you're in a rough spot though like yes consider yeah. another film. agreed <laughs> It might not if be you like have a COVID. It, uh, just, uh, it <laughs> might not be like a Christmas. It might not be like a Christmas Eve watch. Like maybe stick to yeah, Christmas yeah. story or whatever. Elf Gather or around shit. family. Just watch Elf for 24 hours. And then, you know, uh, we, I watched Elf with my kids yesterday. It's, I love they it. almost can't handle it. It's, it's so it's good. Like, yeah. I should watch like, jingle all the way. No, John? we're, we're still never, we're never watching it. <laughs> What's wrong with you? No, Elf makes them super uncomfortable because like the love scenes, like any love scene. Gets Listen, them it's weird the that there's a love angle in that movie because he's like a child. Yeah, it is, it is weird. It's I real weird. God. Yeah. But we just ruined Elf for Mondo in real time on the show. Yeah, his face oh, dropped. Uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm like a Will Ferrell apologist. I'll watch anything he he's does. He's hilarious never, in it. I never got into Elf, but just never got into it. He's hilarious. Same. Oh, I love it. I'm way into it. It's, in fact, it's good like in I fact it, i'll take it amazing. i'll take it over christmas story these days on like hey. during that marathon time i don't like zoe de chanel she gets on my nerves oh, i like her that's suzanne feels the same way on that so yeah it's performative like <laughs> do you not like new yeah. girl that show's incredible new yeah, girl is good new because girl. of schmidt specifically but like and <laughs> okay. winston but the rest of like i can't stand the like put upon this is a whole separate topic. Wow. We'll have to okay. <laughs> you might want to consult TikTok therapy, TikTok about your feelings for uh, Zoe Deschanel. Okay. Five thumbs up. Even schnorrs. Put it on the poster. Let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. Silent night. Deadly night. The most talked about film of the decade. <laughs> The movie that shocked America, outraged Hollywood, and frightened the government. The movie they tried to ban. You've read about it. You've heard about it. Now you can see it in all its terrifying horror. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Jason Mewes, and you're listening to BloodyGoodHorror.com. Yes. Send feedback to info at BloodyGoodHorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. And we're back. Just been reminiscing about Hot Girl Summer Shores. It's great. It's coming back, man. I feel. I feel next. You know, next just, summer's gonna be even better. I just nah, got. To, we're focusing on Angry <laughs> Bitch Winter, where we hate on Zoe Deschanel. I just got uh, triple vaxxed, although apparently, for to believe Caitlin doesn't matter. <laughs> we're all, we're all screwed. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling good. That third that third vax, John, took me out. Oh. Same here. Holy yeah, mother. Me too. 
I, I was more or less okay. I got I got cocky because it had been about 12 hours and I hadn't felt anything and I thought it was good. On the 13th hour, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> just just took me out, man. It's rough. Uh, Mondo. What? Where can people find you? <laughs> I was waiting for a response, but yeah, I'll just, just keep like going. Verbally, like, no, no, I need to respond there. I was waiting for the whole question. Where can people find you on the internet that's not here right now? Uh, don't look for me because I don't post very much on uh, uh, on anything. But uh, check out our, my, the podcast. I'm on Dads from the Crypt. Uh, basically, uh, three old guys that uh, we, we talk about Tales from the Crypt. And uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff on there. done a lot of cool interviews. Uh, coming up next week, we interviewed a gentleman by the name of Wayne uh, Byrne. Uh, he's creating a, he's writing a book or has a book coming out called Welcome to Elm Street, where he interviewed a bunch of like, you know, like assistant directors and assistant cameramen uh, about the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And we have a really cool podcast coming out with that, a really cool uh, interview coming out with him. We rate all the Elm Street films and uh, you can hear why I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Uh, what do but, you what do you write about? Um, he write he wrote about all all the films. No, what are you right about? With Eric the, wants with to know the rankings. I, I, I'm, so. I'm right about that. I was the person that rated New Nightmare the highest. Interesting. As a New Nightmare is a top three. For it me. would be high in mine. Uh, definitely top three. I would probably put Dream Warriors over it. But I but yeah, it's pretty high up for me. It's good. Yeah, I I can't really re- reveal, but like. Yeah, I'll tell my top three. I don't care. Yeah, my yeah. top three were definitely Dream Warriors, New Nightmare, and the first one, not necessarily in that order. I'll tell you what. Um, I'm the world's only Dream Master apologist. Like, uh, You are not. And if you listen to our podcast, you'll find out. That's why. part five, right? Uh, part four. No, okay, Master. never mind. I don't, no, no. I'm, what is, what is, oh, Dream Child is part Dream five. Dream Child, okay. I'm the world's only Dream Child apologist. Uh, you know, I rate that as probably my lowest. And, but <laughs> at the same, at the same time, that's not really a knock because I honestly love all those movies. That's kind of my com- Nightmare on Elm Street is my comfort food. Part so, five is probably like visually my favorite. I think that's why I love it. Part five, I think, has some of the most gruesome kills. Actually, the uh, the, the the feeding scene to me yeah. is just terrifying. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, but yeah, we, but we have an interview coming up with him probably next week. We're taking a week off. Um, but find us at Dads from the Crypt on Instagram or Crypt Dads on Twitter. And uh, on any podcast application that you prefer. I love it. So yeah, you guys basically every week have been reviewing Tales from the Crypt episodes. You'll take an episode, dig into it. There's been some talk uh, about the original comics. And Jason's been doing a bunch of interviews. I was just listening to one. But what's the name of this actor? We were talking about a pre-show. Um, he did the episode with um Katie Seagal. Um, with uh, he's a he's a basically a, a rock promoter. And he's trying to steal money. He's Lee Ehrenberg. Yeah, and so if you Google this guy's name, you'll recognize he was a he was a bit player on Seinfeld. He's the guy who gets in a fight with George over a parking spot. I think if that <laughs> helps. Yeah. But he is a an amazing interview. Like he's so enthusiastic and open and talking about how much he loved doing that and other like genre things. And it was a fascinating listen. So I so you so people can go and Google uh, dads from the crypt, and um, I, I would also humbly add Mondo that you guys have pretty amazing theme music for that podcast. <laughs> um, this there's this group out there if anybody likes synthwave called Hi-Fi. Yes. Um, I don't know if anybody's <laughs> talked about them on the show before, but yeah. uh, the, the one of the people behind Hi-Fi made us some pretty pretty killer music. I've heard you guys group. have some good, uh, a, cool guests. It's a killer, uh, killer group. <laughs> We've also had Casey on our show, yeah. um, and uh, Caitlin uh, will be on our show uh, very soon, talking Bordello of Blood. So uh, uh, nice. it's a little foreshadowing there. 
I love it. Yeah, I had a, um, I'm not a big anthology fan, but I remember about six-ish years ago, I just discovered that they were, at the time anyway, they were like the whole series in HD bootleg on YouTube because you couldn't stream. I don't think you can still stream it legally anywhere, right? Like it's not on HBO. We actually have a couple cool um, interviews that Jason did. Uh, Jason being the, uh, the the basic brains behind the operation. Um, he interviewed the guy that actually takes those old episodes, converts them to 4K, and puts them on YouTube. Okay, that's amazing. So <laughs> I, I discovered. That guy down. So I discovered yeah. this guy's episodes, and I watched a bunch of him, and I was like, dude, this shit holds up. And I had forgot at the time they were very, they were very cameo heavy, and they also would get celebrities to direct. So, like, there's one that Arnold Schwarzenegger directed, and like, yes. there's a bunch of random stuff like that in the series. Well, I mean, look, my feeling, and because I actually bought a couple of the, um, the collections, the the, and the comics hold up. Like, if you go back yeah. to some of that source material, they're all fucking great. Like those, you know, so it's crazy. Some of the- them, what well, was those comics really dug into? especially when you consider when they came out, they dug into like racial inequality and stuff. Like we're talking back in the sixties when that was like, it could have been a death sentence for a lot of comics to be honest. And they were just full force. Like, no, we're going to attack these issues and go for it. It's kind of, kind of unique. Well, you see, I mean, they got shut down, right? I thought they were like, there was some, I can't remember. I read the story at one point, but it was like a comics code thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was something to do with the comics. I uh, will say to the intro to that show, it's like a very, uh, early childhood monkey brain. Like I saw that as a kid and scared me so bad. The intro that to this day, like it hits that in me when I see it, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go hide under a blanket. Yeah. I'll be back. So one of the real cool things on the, uh, if you find the, the, the YouTube channel, which I don't really want to say here because I'm not sure the legality of it all, <laughs> but um, he actually even includes the original HBO intros with the camera going through the town and going through the HBO yeah. logo. And it's super just oh, like that's the best. nostalgic soul food. <laughs> that's like nostalgia. It's definitely not legal to be on YouTube, just to be clear. <laughs> it is crazy though that that's not available anywhere streaming. Well, so we actually just did an interview too with uh, actually a friend of mine, Tim, and another copyright lawyer who talked about the whole copyright situation with the because it's just a legal mess right now. I'm telling you, John. Uh, you wow. gotta, John, you got to get on this dad's uh, yeah, crypt. No, they got I'm, their I'm shit together to pull over this here. Up. I'm very curious. This is a, a thing happening. So, and these were all yeah. people I believe that met. I don't know that we mentioned this, but I believe you guys all met through the BGH Slack. Hundred percent. Um, basically, we all just started talking together. Uh, Jody and I, uh, other co-hosts, bonded over our love of blood-sucking freaks, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and then, uh, yeah, we all kind of got together and started talking, doing all the trivia together. So anybody out there who's thinking about joining Slack, you should join Slack and come do some trivia with us. And, um, yeah. And yeah, one I day mean, Jason's like, do you want to do a podcast? And we're just like, yeah. yeah 2020, 2021, there've just been all these really great collaborative, creative projects that have come out of the community and now blossomed into genuine things of their own. And it's a really, really cool thing yeah. to see. Definitely. Love it. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us, Mondo. We're going to, um, thanks for having me. Jump into some fan mail. Info at bloodygoodhorror.com. John, um, Caitlin and Kissimmee has continued to send us her own personal version of uh, BGH classics. I'm continuing mm-hmm. to read them cause I'm enjoying this like very unique perspective that she has on them. <laughs> so we'll get some of that here, but, um, First, she says, please leave Caitlin alone about 47 meters down. That movie is an easy, fun watch, and I've enjoyed it all four times I've watched it. It's the Resident <laughs> Evil of shark movies. Thanks. Hell yeah. Woo! I love it. Right. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, okay, okay, let's not. I mean, okay, she has COVID, I guess. Let's throw her a bone. Um, <laughs> don't, be, don't be rude. <laughs> John, this is exciting. 
the the writer of Spiral Book of Saw says that the next Saw movie will make John Kramer fans very happy. Hmm. Jake Saw. So well, I mean, I know who is John it happening? Kramer is, are they like, gonna what? zombie him? <laughs> is he? Are they gonna zombie him? Oh, Hologram. One day I'll be able to stop thinking about Saw. John, uh, let me make this proclamation. Let me make this proclamation. <laughs> if if the next Saw movie brings this guy back as a zombie, I will commit right now to making that my number one movie of the year. No questions asked. <laughs> I feel like we'd have to get the copyright lawyers from Dads from the Crypt on the phone to make sure they didn't <laughs> steal this idea from you. If that at all, if that, it, yeah, I mean, I yes, they would owe me royalties. That's, yes, that's understood. But it, it, if that at all tips the scales towards making this happen, I would just like to put that information out there yeah, that I will, yeah, I will commit in writing to the that. universe. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Caitlin, episode 218. Eric mentions getting headphones at Radio Shack. R.I.P. Like, <laughs> Radio man, what a, a low. I feel low rent. Like having done that. Yeah, they had good stuff back then. Okay, I, yeah, I think I think high, more highly of myself now, John. Okay. These are Sennheisers. Thank you very much, John. Ooh. Um, let's see. This is an amazing um, email from Ken. Um, I don't know if this is our metal professor. Maybe. I don't know. That's the only Ken I know. But he's a long time, long time. He says, this is Ken, long time listener and patron. Very rarely a writer unless I have a smart ass comment on Twitter. The movie you just discussed, The Deep House, seems to be in the zone of movies that freak me out more than others. Movies that use submergence, claustrophobia, etc. to get you. The Descent is a perfect example of this. So, it's not a horror film, but I just watched a documentary on Netflix called 14 Peaks, Nothing is Impossible, about the quest of a Nepalese crew to get to the summit of the 14 tallest peaks in the world. I swear, some of the scenes in that freaked me out more than anything in a visual horror film because of the altitude and scenery. And in some, when you couple those visuals with the audio of people breathing through oxygen masks, uh, serious heebie-jeebies, I could feel anxiety levels ramping up just sitting on the couch. If you like that kind of thing, it's highly recommended. Uh, you know where I thought he was going is another documentary that's like very high on my list. Has have anybody watched The Rescue? No. It's a it's about the team that saved those uh I can't remember what Thailand maybe there there was like those kids. Well. It was like a soccer team that got trapped in the cave. Oh yeah. They made a documentary yeah. about it. It's supposed to be really, really good. That's I, not I, really I my lane of documentary, Joe. I'm more into documentaries where like this person collects this one weird thing and it's destroyed their life. That's like kind of my <laughs> <own attention. laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm very excited. And look, it. it's underwater, caves, checking a lot of boxes, I feel like. I'm going to be checking that out over Christmas break. That's on my list. So I love it. Another really amazing email here. This is from John. <clears throat> John is a fellow mass hole. Schnars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw this email and I I, I think I found it because okay. he, he didn't send it to info. He sent it to this the is, other one. The Deep House, John, has officially um, spurred more fascinating emails than probably any movie we did this year. Mm-hmm. So John says, just listen to The Deep House. Heard you guys discussing underwater structures, felt the need to write in. I happen to work at the Quabbin Reservoir. I've heard of this, John. It's not that far from here. Which supplies drinking which supplies drinking water to the greater Boston area. It's probably where your drinking water comes from. That's why you possible. Heard it. Four towns were discontinued in the early 1900s for the flooding of the reservoir, and all residents were forced to relocate. 
Side note, those who refused to leave were forced out by the mob, which that's, that, that tracks, which was hired by the state to persuade them to move, but that's a different story. For years, there were tales of entire towns still remaining under the water of the reservoir and most notably a church whose steeple was even said to be visible on clear days. This eventually led to a PBS question mark special where they dove into the reservoir and found some ruins, but no large structures, let alone a church. Even after this, rumors of large structures under the water and even sightings of submarines still pop up from time to time. Creepy side note, Lovecraft's Color Out of Space, which was based in the valley prior to it, was based in the valley prior to its flooding. Um, And the town of Dunwich, the Dunwich Horror, is supposedly based on one of the discontinued towns in the valley as well. Also, this is where Stephen King's Dreamcatcher concludes, at least the movie version. Creepy side note too, when they discontinued the towns and removed the structures, they also had to relocate all of the roughly 7,000 people buried in cemeteries to a new location. This is where I work today, maintaining old plots and digging new graves. Oh, wow. Grave digger. This email just keeps getting better. I have lots of stories I could tell, but I'll stop there. Please go on. It's a weird place with weird history and just wanted to share my little piece of it. Anyway, sorry for the long message. Don't feel pressured to read this too late. I just did. Uh, love the show, <laughs> John. So John, actually, um, we follow him and his partner. It is, I believe, they run like a like an arts. They, they're artists and they have a store and they're called Slime and Grime. Oh, yeah. With an N. Oh, yeah. N, John. Like yep. Toys R Us, like that. Mm. Um, so check them out. They have an Instagram. They sell shirts and doodads and they have a cool like... I don't know. What would you call that, Mondo? Like skate punk or something like that with horror? Something like in? that. Yeah. yeah. It's, cool. It's, it's, cool. it's cool stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. And they just launched their shop like last month. Oh, so. creepy sci-fi, body horror kind of stuff. So, yeah, check it out. Okay, John. First grave digger email I think we've ever gotten. <laughs> Potential, yeah. Potentially, yeah. John, we got an email. This is from Ian. He, of course, the famous Al Lix Jones who got kicked off of Twitter but doesn't know why. Uh, hey, He's all. back though, according to Caitlin. Oh, okay, he, he is. That's, maybe that's he, in the email. Well, Sorry. I pressured him because I was like, "Hey, now that you're back, hashtag SBGH." And yeah. he's like, "Oh, I sent Eric an email already." <laughs> I was like, "All right." Hey, all. First off, I hate not being able to just tweet you, but I also love not being on Twitter anymore. I could probably find out the correct email to write to, but we all know that won't happen. John, I just like to point out this is also a cracks me up when people send info. When people send email to bloodygoodhorror at gmail.com, which is kind of like our business email that we don't give out. I don't even know how people get it. We say info they at... Blo- guess it, we say info at bloodygoodhorror.com at least twice every show, including the bumper that airs. That's what the email is, John. Yeah, no. I think they can also email Eric. Does the does your Eric... I believe the Eric forwarder still works, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which will then forward you to my email address that has not changed since I was in seventh grade. Except nice. moving it to Gmail. Um, I could probably find out the correct email to write, but we all know that won't happen. So, John, I'm sorry. This is your fate now you because you forwarded this to me. Now the good stuff. Is there a horror movie world where you truly think Brock Lesnar wouldn't survive in? I think he could take the major movie baddies, Jason, Freddy, Cenobites, Leatherface, and the tall man have no chance. Jigsaw, he'll just be a tally on the census for Suplex City. Let me know what you think. Your pal, <laughs> Alex Jones. This is great because Mondo's in the show, which means it's not just me who knows about wrestling things. So what do you think, Mondo? <laughs> um, 
I don't know, man. That new ponytail look he's got going does not do it for me. So that might have taken him down a couple notches. But um, <laughs> see, I, I dig it. I like the man bun. He still takes oh, really? the tall man, though. Let's just be clear. That's not here. So I'm for me, about. I think the the real goat is like alien because it, no matter how strong you are, you're still flesh, John, and the, that acidy spit is going to eat right through you. Well, he's it's Cinnabite's got to be hard too, but right, they're demons. I, I tend to they agree. got extra power. Yeah, but I mean, but here's really ultimately what they do is like put you in hell, and like Brock Lesnar strikes me as the kind of person who lives with demons every day, and so I think he might be comfortable there. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I think maybe zombies. Because he's he's a grappler, and you have to get really close to grapple with that's, zombies. You shouldn't grapple with that's zombies. That's a really that's a that, really good point. That's a good point. He's going to get at least scratched, right? right. Uh, I'd pay a lot of money to see a French uh, any franchise with just Brock Lesnar fighting. Now, zombie zombie Brock Lesnar sounds terrifying, and I think we might have the next BGH shirt ready to go. It, it, that that's could be <laughs> zombie Brock Lesnar versus zombie Jason. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. in for that. Yeah. I was going to say that's the next uh, army of thieves. We should <laughs> just do continue that last series we did and just do a bunch of versus shirts let's do it john uh yeah i'm the last person that should be drawing <laughs> and or even conceiving of these types of oh things. you're gonna draw it that's even better <laughs> i'm very into that that's it for email what's on twitter all right on twitter we got a couple tweets tonight our hashtag is ask bgh send us questions we'll answer first one comes in from a name we haven't heard from a long time, John and Eric. Uh, comes from at Mike underscore Snoonian. What is mm. the perfect burrito? Oh, I've got my Chipotle order like ready if he's. I'll tell you this. What do you go? What's the meat? I'll tell you this. Meat? I like. I, I get no meat. No, get out. You, come on. <laughs> White <laughs> rice, black beans, veggies, corn, pico. Like Chipotle sour cream hits different. It is so good. Sour it cream. is really good. Here's my deal. Here's my only Why is like. Why with no meat, John? My only. I can oh, take most God. variations on burritos. My my biggest thing is like I like beans and I like rice, but like you, it's got to be sparing, or you're just filling yourself self up room that could be filled with cool stuff like meat and guacamole and cheese and stuff. So like <laughs> light on the carbs. You know, uh, I'll go with the chicken. Uh, I will do like a brisket is pretty cool. I know that's a new Chipotle. I have not had that because I don't eat at Chipotle, John. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm go. I'll go rice, black beans, which I've been told is an East Coast thing. Um, yeah, chicken, guac, uh, sour cream, cheese, all the cheese. Yeah, I'm, I do black. I do black beans too. Chicken, sour cream, the pico corn. I'm down with pico, but only if I'm in a situation where I'm cool, reeking of onions for the rest of the day, because that's that <laughs> shit just lingers with you. What, like, where is the onion coming out of your mouth or your like body? It's my like, like bit, pores like, that you ever like. That pico feels like is. you're sweating it. I've yes. been there. Yeah. I do. John, awesome. what is it like living in like a perfect body? What is that like? <laughs> you just never smell. So it's amazing. I love the barbacoa. Um, the other, have you all had, and I don't, maybe they, I, I haven't been to a Chipotle actually in a little while, but uh, do they, they do the chorizo every once in a while. It'll like pop yeah. in and out, but they do it like in, it's not just breakfast. It's like for all meals. I have sofritas, which I'm, you know, is a veggie option, but I'm not, I'm not so much into the sofritas. I did get into a, a debate about lettuce in a burrito. Cause I do love like throw me some romaine in there. And my friend was like, no, it's a waste of burrito space. 
And I was like, no, that's delicious. I will say there's that friend, Eric. There there is a local chain called Boca Grande that I actually think is way better than Chipotle. But like Mondo's probably in a place where you get decent. Oh yeah. And and yeah, 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 Chipotle is it's it's okay. It's cool for lunch every now and again. But my my favorite ingredient in a burrito is lengua, uh tongue. Oh Oh, yeah. Wow. Hardcore. Absolutely my favorite. And also cabeza, which is on like beef cheek. They put in, they put in, uh, in uh, burritos sometimes too. And then probably carne asada as a third. Yep. If you me one of those three meats, I'm a happy guy. Now where you are, would you see like a West Coast style burrito with like French fries and all that like crazy California shit? Yeah, you can get that shit out here, but it's not. That's not like what you'd find at the good Mexican <laughs> restaurant. I feel that's like if you, I, here's what I feel like. If you put French fries in a burrito, it's basically just a mass of like starch. Like you're not getting crunchy, like you yeah. know. Yeah, you know most most Mexican places around here do um you know carne asada fries or something like that. If you want fries, get something like that. Don't get a burrito. Like a, why are you like fries like made like nachos sort of just stuff on them. Yeah, yeah, it's basically nachos, but fries your base with like all your guacamole, sour cream, whatever. That sounds you want. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of like that California style stuff with French fries. Like, why do that? You're just here's ring the. If you have a good meat in there, you want stuff that kind of like accentuates that. You don't want stuff that overpowers it or stuff I'm, that's you know. Honestly, these days I would go. Not, I mean, I can't really eat a burrito anyway. But I'd go for more like a taco. Like I grew up yeah. on like wheat tortillas, but now I can't eat them. So then I sort of learned to love corn tortillas. Corn. That was like a new thing to me. Okay. But they're they're good. Like an enchilada, Eric. Those are usually corn you know, tortillas. I'll, I'll fry them up and make myself some tacos pretty good no that's per that, that's perfect it's funny because you know i grew up in virginia with my german grandparents and we always just had old el paso taco shells yeah and then when exactly. i moved in with uh, with my mexican side of the family and we're like oh these are real like fried taco shells from scratch it's night and day it's, so it's that wasn't your like initial experience that was an experience you had a, a, a little older yeah but like eight so not not too much older but still um, yeah that's interesting. But, but the real star of a burrito is a good tortilla like yeah. if they homemade the tortillas, your burrito is going to be good. Doesn't matter what you put in there. The problem was like yeah. most places just use like simple, cheap mission flour tortillas, and let's be honest, those suck. Yeah, Mondo, when you were in Virginia, and I've debated Shelton about this. When you were in Virginia, did your Mexican joints have white sauce? Uh, no, but I know what you mean because I was in Siler City, North Carolina, working at a chicken processing plant, and the old man there took me to a. Uh, he goes, "I'm gonna take it as a Mexican food." I'm like, "Okay, okay, we'll see." So to me, this Mexican joint out there and they had the white sauce and I'm not going to lie. It was top five Mexican food I've had in my entire I'm life. I'm saying nobody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. World. Originated in like by Mexican communities in Virginia, white yeah. sauce on the side. So good. And Shelton was like, do you mean queso? And I was like, the fuck Shelton? No, I don't mean queso. Okay. I mean white sauce, motherfucker. I don't know no, exactly no, what it is, but is I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm guessing there's some mayo in this somewhere. So sign me up and let's do it. Yeah. So good. <laughs> It's funny though, it's like Mondo, you talking about the tortilla being the end all be all. I'm in Indiana, so you know, cuisine is pretty bland in general, but there's <laughs> the best Mexican tacos slash burritos I've we have around here is in a gas station in Carmel, Indiana. And the little Mexican lady that runs the restaurant, she makes her own tortilla shells and everything. It is amazing and cheap. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Cause yeah, so people forget about like the 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 vessel to hold the ingredients it has to be amazing. If not, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I go to Chipotle. I don't get burritos. I get the burrito bowl because their tortillas are just kind of meh. Mm. Yep. It's fair. I mean, that's the kind of situation I'd be more into these days, probably just with my diet. But yeah, and burrito bowl is cool. All righty. And then you can eat well, the thanks bowl. To, thanks to Mike Snooney in there. That is the most liveliest response to an SBHGH <laughs> we've had in a long time. 
All right. Next up, we have Skizbot. Uh, he asks, what is your favorite romantic comedy? And yes, even dudes like them. I'm a cheerleader is probably my favorite. <laughs> I, I've never seen it on my wife. Crazy? No, it's. I mean, that's a fun movie. I saw it in the theater. Uh, oh, I love that movie. I've never yeah. seen it. My wife loves it, so I'm sure it's awesome. It's <laughs> the best. I don't know. Uh, what was the question? The be- best romantic Eric. comedy, uh, Eric. Come best on. romantic comedy. Favorite. It doesn't have to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I. There's like ten things I hate about you. That that's that counts. Is that a yeah. enough course, comedy? Yeah. Hey, I, I'm gonna say Shaun of the Dead. That's a romantic comedy. Yeah. Yeah. What about like yeah. the oldies from the '80s, like uh, Can't Buy Me Love, <laughs> or is that too much comedy? <laughs> that probably counts. I could, I, I don't know. I'd have to think on this longer, but yeah. yeah. I think if it's a love story, it has some comedy. It can have some zombies. I think it's okay. Oh, uh, hold on. Uh, the Princess Bride. Does that oh, count? Oh, there you go. Because that's I, like, yeah. but that's like almost just a straight comedy in my Inconceivable. mind. Inconceivable. Yeah. Of course it's romantic. <laughs> it's yeah, so good. That's like, the best though. He's doing everything he does though because of the love of his life. That's romantic. There you go. Yeah. Right. That's got some romance. That's romantic as hell, right? Oh, that's my answer then. Slammed, slammed it. All right, our last question here comes from our longtime buddy at Robale, and it's another food question since we're all obviously hungry. What was your favorite school lunch as a kid? We used to get uh, there was a Chick Fil A day. This Ooh. was you know in the nineties, so like Chick Fil A was like less ubiquitous than it is now. Uh, but it was like you got the Chick Fil A sandwich. It, there were kids who never bought lunch except for Chick Fil A day. I was a I bought lunch every single day. Course, Basically, I think I was third grade was like when I started and it just, so I ate whatever they served. Dude, you know, what's yeah, insane. Obviously. My high school once a week would get Taco Bell items. And I like, used to, but they were like, get Taco Bell tacos sometimes. Yeah, just they the were like, like shitty ones. Double the price. It was insane. Oh, yeah. oh, I don't know. I mean, I never felt like our, my parents gave me a $5 bill and I would spend, I would come home with like a dollar 50 every day. Like I, oh. for like three bucks, I was getting five dollars, like dude. You're like king of the world. Five bucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't 90s. know, like $5 lunch now. Like I, that gets you <laughs> fucking nothing walking around the streets here. So, oh man, we would do these like pizza. They were basically like pizza breadsticks that just came with like marinara sauce for dipping. And those were dope. Chicken fries is the other correct answer to this Ooh. question. I didn't so, know that existed I... before like 2015. Oh uh, no, we had chicken fries. I was on Weight Watchers even in like high school. So like I have some food trauma. So I packed my lunch most days. But I will say that um, my high school had, they had this like cookie making program for, for some kids with sort of like learning difficulties and special needs. And those cookies were so good. Like when it was cookie day, they're like the size of your head. Yes. And I was never going to stand in the line. You have like 18 minutes to eat lunch. Like fuck that. So I would be like, okay. I'll give you money and like pay for your cookie if you stand in line and also get me a cookie. <laughs> and like the rare times when I would get one, they were like not even really baked. Oh god, they're so good, dude. Yeah, we <laughs> had, yeah, a dude. lot of points. No, Kaylin, yeah, same like a lot, lot of points. points. <laughs> but you know what? I was using my flex points, my bonus <laughs> points. You were saving up, Kaylin. Same exact thing though at our school. Those giant cookies that were like half cooked, so half of them were like were just cookie dough. So yeah. good, so, so good. We had, uh, I was spoiled in high school in like 90, 91, 92. After I got my license in like 1990, we had open campus lunch. So we could take off for 45 minutes and go to McDonald's or Taco Bell and stuff like that. So that was always pretty nice. They stopped doing that after I graduated. Smoking your cigarettes on the way back in the smoking oh, yeah. section of the school. <laughs> <laughs> I just brown badged an 
I brown badged it in high school because I used to wrestle and like our coaches would get mad. They saw you eating some bullshit on lunch, <laughs> like real mad. <laughs> so like, you got some food trauma too. <laughs> no, it was cool. It was cool. Because I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to run bleachers after fucking school. So <laughs> what, Amanda, what weight did you go at? Um, so for a while there I was wrestling at God. Um, they've changed weight classes since the yeah. early two that the early two thousand when I wrestled, but I, I can't remember anymore if it was two fifteen or two ten at the time. Yeah. Okay. But I was also playing football, so I'd have to cut a shit ton of weight to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once our, our our super heavyweight, once he failed out because of grades, I got to wrestle super heavyweight, and that was the best thing ever because yeah, I could un- just, unlimited. Yeah, I, remember, I was walking around back then around two sixty. I had a well, it was two seventy five. I think was the cap. Two seventy five right? was the cap. So I was walking around about two fifty, actually about two fifty, and then I got to go to super heavyweight. I just didn't have to watch my diet anymore, and it was freaking amazing. I had a friend <laughs> uh, who wrestled at like the heavyweight like weight, and I remember going to one of their meets once. And at that like size, I feel like in high school, after thirty seconds of the match, it, it was like watching two bears rest on each other. Basically, <laughs> it was just like yeah. everyone oh, was just tired. Know. I only wrestled my senior year and I wasn't good. I was just a big, strong guy. Cause I used to weightlift all the time. But like my, so my coach was like, I can't teach you a whole lot in like six months, but I can teach you cardio. So I had great cardio. So I won a lot of matches just because I wasn't as tired as the guy across from me. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> Some of the best matches were to the heavyweights. Cause some of the dude, those guys were huge. Like it wasn't like they were just massive dudes throwing each other around sometimes. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I wrestled in junior high. That was like really? Eric, I swear. It's, I love it's her. Wild. Wait, Schnars, did you wrestle? I wrestled for like a year and a half. Holy man. shit. Oh, nice. Caitlin, we're the only people on this podcast who have not wrestled. <laughs> yeah. Speak for you. I, I was I was at the opposite end from Mondo though. I was going at like one twenty per- or something. I can't yeah. I pretended to be Hulk Hogan and beat the crap out of Mark. Does that count? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I tried being a pro wrestler too. That obviously didn't pan out. But I that's tried. right. You did. I so forgot you, about that. I wrestled in junior high, and my career was not illustrious. I had my first match. I walked out. The ref blew the whistle. The kid knocked me on my ass and pinned me, and I never wrestled again. <laughs> <laughs> See, I I, did, I got really cocky in my first couple of meets. I did pretty good because I'm like, I can outlast these guys. And then I went up against someone with some technique, and he pinned me like in 20 seconds. I was like, Oh, yeah. that's what happens when you know some shit. Yeah. I will say, these guys are taking this seriously. <laughs> see a lot of uh, in my work disordered eating with wrestlers trying to cut oh, weight too fast. No, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I had friends who went through all that it's, crap. Yeah, it's it's, it's bad. Yeah, cutting yeah. weight is rough, and the fact that it's still allowed is mind blowing to me. I think it's still legal. Uh, colleges have actually banned it, and well, I think you have to get certified at a certain weight now yes. preseason. And typically, right. if you unless your doctor's crooked. It's like you have to have a certain body fat to even qualify it a certain way. And like, so nobody's, nobody's be... ever crooked, John. So that's probably fine. No, no, I know. <laughs> it's, they're trying to make it. Cause like people have, so many people have died over the years of a weight cutting. And the oh, fact yeah, that high really school bad. still allow it, like it's crazy. Yeah, to me. It is. It's grim. Casey? Wrestling sweet though. So. All right. Oh, that's yeah, I it love for it. tweets. Love it. Got some good. Wait, didn't. Oh, wait, never mind. Just kidding. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Um, we got some good questions here. I'm catching up on episodes. Have you announced? I was like, are you, are you reading? I'm reading John. <laughs> what do you do on this show, John? Uh, besides I have Mondo pick you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm catching up on episodes. Have you announced when the year end episode will be, uh, next week, seven days from today. Stand by. So it'll, it'll drop. New Year's Eve, right? Isn't that Friday? 
Yeah, the 31st, yeah. You can't time that shit better, John. Ah, you're welcome. 2021, not so so bad. Yeah. Best Christmas present you ever received. It's a good one. Ooh. I mean, the first I got, I I maybe talked about this on the show, but the first NES I ever got, oh boy, game changer, Mm -hmm. literally. Yes, there was a Christmas. I remember my aunt got us a Nintendo with Super Mario 1. That's how old I am. And yeah, I remember loving it. I got, we got Super Mario 1 and we got Pinball. Remember Pinball? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. Classic. Listen, there were kids when I, when I was growing up, there were other kids in my neighborhood that I hung out with that I didn't like. 100% 100% because they had every Nintendo game. Like, if you were a kid with no friends and you wanted friends at that age, just get your parents to get you Nintendo games and some kid will come out and hang over your house and it will be me. <laughs> and then years later on a podcast, I'd be like, I didn't really like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, one year, one man, when I was in college, I went on this run of, I was just hardcore in a horror phase. And we'll just go on this run of asking for the weirdest shit. And I remember like one year asking for this like prop severed head that my parents like bought for me fully like, cause they're, I mean, my parents just like get it, but my dad still has it and he puts it out in his office for as like Halloween decorations. <laughs> it's like, there's this 20 year old prop severed oh, head. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> and one year they got me a, I remember like early two thousands before this was as ubiquitous as it is now a really nice like replica part seven Jason mask that I had asked for that I still have. That's pretty dope. Horror stuff. All right. Um, can we get a review of Jack Frost? Probably not. There's a real good uh, last drive in on it from last year though. It was fun. Yeah. Didn't it we watch me, it? it? Nipped at my nose, but. Overall, didn't win me over. <laughs> didn't we watch Jack Frost two for like a spooktacular? I think we did. Did we? I'm I'm like ninety five percent sure. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's the only way I would have watched. That's it. That's so like, funny. I know I joke about it a lot because I've joked about doing it as a staff. Like, I don't remember. Somebody would have to look at our YouTube and tell I think me, we were pretty loaded for that. One. Tell me if we watched it. I don't know. We should take that video down. I know it's shocking that we'd all be loaded for a uh, spooktacular, but no, we should take. I think it's Zombievers down, which is the one where you guys made me drink a forty. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, the next day, it was like, guys, our forties meth because what the fuck? Yeah, it's not good. how. No. Uh, are you going to review Nightmare Alley? I said, ask John and Caitlin because I don't pay attention to what movies are out there. I would too. We we're gonna. There's no way I'm watching it in a theater. Though. We're gonna have to pick it up when it comes. Yeah, it's not gonna happen this year, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a great festive question for this show coming out on Christmas Eve. What's your favorite Christmas song? Mm. Uh, I love Hard Candy Christmas, Dolly Parton. Oh, I don't. I'm not familiar. It's a good one. I think I like that the, Dolly Parton's or not Dolly. Jeez, I think I like that Mariah Carey song that everybody hates. I think honestly, oh, that's Lord. probably my who hates one. that. Me? It's Boomers. Oh, okay. Boomers. Yeah. KC. Yeah. All right. Boomers. Um, <laughs> I think it's called uh, Baby. It's the Baby Please Come Home. I think it's called mm-hmm. Christmas parentheses Baby Please Come Home. Yeah, it's uh, a good one. I'm big on so Jing- good. J- Jingle Bell Rock. Pretty into that one. Mine, I mean, mine doesn't have words, but uh, Sleigh Ride, which we used to play 
throughout high school every year for our Christmas concert. No, but isn't there a version of that with words? Yeah. We never, we were banned. We never knew the words. No, are they like, Casey, Casey, I suggest you turn on, I suggest you turn on your local Indiana music station and within a day you'll hear that song with words. Yeah. I did lose Whamageddon, by the way, since we're talking about Christmas songs. I lost Whamageddon over the weekend and took all my entire family out. I love that Wham song and I love that stupid Wings Christmas song too. I love the Wings Christmas song. Yeah. I'm a hater of Christmas music, but I will go with King Diamond did a metal Christmas song called No Presents for Christmas what? back in like 80s. And I nice. love that song. <laughs> All right. Would you rather, if you had to choose one, would you rather have antlers or a long tail? Tail. Is it a prehensile tail? I don't, I cannot answer that <laughs> Kayla, question. Kayla, you're you. surprised. I feel like the antlers, like you could hide the tail. You wrap it around your stomach or something. Here's my deal. Trying to hide it? It's like a crown. No, John, you can stick the tail in your pants, which will make it look like you dumped yourself. And I don't, why would you want to (laughs) do do that? Do you know how many times I would like walk into a door frame with that guy? Okay. I'm five feet tall. I'm good. I would not have that problem. And also I could use the antlers as a weapon and I could feel like I could use that in my life. So yeah. I can still do jujitsu. I could probably still do jujitsu with a tail. I couldn't do it with antlers. Like people would be upset about that. <laughs> My, see, I think it would leave you vulnerable. You would it would yeah, leave you sure. vulnerable because it would give them a bunch of like hold points, hand points. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So I'm going to go tail. I got to go with tail because I already can't walk through my parents' uh, kitchen without ducking because of their low hanging light fixtures. <laughs> there you go. Um, next up, this I'll say the name here because this is just a nice message from Fat Duck. Just want to say thanks. I make a two to three hour drive regularly and you guys make the time fly by. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, do you think you will do the Slumber Party Massacre remake? I kind of fancy seeing it. Ooh, where are you from? Ooh. <laughs> um, it's been on our list. I don't know that I'm like super, I've been super compelled to like get it to the top of the list, but I'll tell you what we're doing in January and it's fucking Monster Hunter. So get <laughs> ready, Schnars. Eric's so fucking 2022 coming in it's hot. Good. Slumber Party Massacre. Re- <laughs> I've seen it. It's good. I actually really liked it. I did not yeah. expect anything out of it, and I was blown away by how good it was. It got a. It got some top ten votes from our crew to be wow. revealed. Not. It's probably not making the top top ten, but it's it's in all in the voting. Oh, Eric's uh, gonna be so mad. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not reading the next one, John, because um, it's dirty and it besmirches the love I have for you with filthiness, and I will not. I will not give that voice on the show. Okay, but thank you. Follow us on Instagram if you want to see that one because I did. That is to it. say he prefers his own version of Schnarr's. Yeah, well, don't write my own fan fiction for me. Okay, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> I gotta get a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Better step off. Last question of the night: What is your favorite depiction of the Wendigo? This one's pretty good. I don't this think I good. care about the Wendigo so much, but. That ritual movie had a real cool monster that was very when when to giggy. Yeah. When yeah. when did gish when to goey. Um I like that Marvel turned the Wendigo into like a bastardized Bigfoot. Wasn't I don't there know. an X Files about a Wendigo Wendigo? I mean, there, think was. there had there had to be. Yeah. I love it. People always talk about that that Larry Fessenden made a Wendigo movie, and it's like, okay, has anyone seen it? 
I do know one of the Wendigo movies I saw, though, starred Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle in the early 90s. Wow. Mid-90s. Really? Yeah. Cool. As So he would have been a kid then still. Yeah, he was yeah, still a yeah. kid. So last question, right. John. Whew. Kaylin, okay. this will not be going. Big announcement. This will not be going in my top 10. And that okay. means we did it, everyone. Psycho ship Goreman. It. Ship it, John. <laughs> Cut it. Print it. Psycho Goreman making it in. Yes. Halloween Kills, just by the skin of its teeth, made it on my list. And, Eric, uh, uh, I will tell you that you are not the only Psycho Goreman defender. Very nice. I have a feeling I'm, I may be the one speaking on it on this show. Probably. I, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that movie. I think it was top top five for me at least. I'm debating <laughs> on if I should rewatch it before <laughs> then. Sorry. Like I don't want to I don't want to call my own bluff by rewatching it and actually deciding no, I hate it. <laughs> I was I oh, oh I would love it. <laughs> What if make, I loved it? Oh, God. Make <laughs> you know, yeah. Deb- Caitlin's you in a spiral. You rewatch it and see <laughs> if your feelings changed. I love it. She just had like a real existential crisis moment. She's like, what if I liked it? Oh, God. <laughs> I built this whole mythology. <laughs> All right, everyone. We, we have arrived at our destination. The end, 2021. I'm sure I'll have some sappy things to say next week, John, as I usually do, but I'll spare you this week. As we've said, next week, no review. This is John John's time to shine, aside from the rest of the year in which he shines. <laughs> where he will walk us through the spreadsheets from BGH, the year in review 2021. John, quick preview. This will involve our votes, so staff votes, but also a, we did a, you did a patron vote again this year, a Slack There vote. is a patron vote. Technically, it will be closed by the time people hear this. If you hear this and want to vote, I might accept votes longer have than, people yeah. voted yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah okay great love it bunch of bunch of good patron content there bunch of uh we're i'm waiting on like one or two staff ballots and uh yeah otherwise we're in great shape i love it well i can't wait it's my favorite show of the year john it's gonna be fun we're gonna have a good time uh and that's gonna do it mondo thank you again for joining us thank you appreciate it it's gonna, great work mondo that's a that's a wrap Thanks. on 2021 and we'll see you guys for the year ender See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.